the smoke was right in front of our face. You could pretty much not see anything. Wow, you so could we, hold your hand up in front yeah, of you. Yeah, so we had to it. step out of the smoke and try and get a lung full of fresh air because you just could not breathe. Jace and PJ's Epic Tales. Hi, I'm Jess. Hi, I'm Luke. And this is our Epic Tale. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. Yep, thanks for having us. Also, um, thank you for all the work you guys do, volunteering your time to pretty much save lives and protect us. What got you guys into that in the first place? For me personally, I lived and grew up in a high fire prone area. Yeah. Every summer it was a real potential for a high risk, you know, situation with fire, bushfire being all around us. When I was in primary school, we had a um, primary school fate and the local Upway Fire Brigade came and advertised their junior program. They were so lovely and they said, just come down one night, nearly 18 years later, and I'm still there. Wow. Yeah. Being a CFA volunteer, are you always on call? 24-7. Wow. Yeah. Yep. You You could be at your normal job, you get the phone call, and you just drop everything and go. Well, I think it's different for everybody in that you only respond if you're able to respond. From the time the pager goes off, we must have a a truck out the door within four minutes and you need to be on scene at an incident within eight minutes of the initial call. So so there's, yeah, you need to be pretty quick. Yeah. Guys, I want to talk about the bushfires at the end of 2019, start of 2020. Um, really, really bad. Victoria is enduring a new Black Saturday. The bushfire emergency in Victoria and New South Wales. Out of control grass fire continues to burn. Four people are unaccounted for. Take us back to a very specific day that I know you guys will never forget. So it was the 28th of November 2019. We went on a five-day deployment, a long-haul strike team, to Grafton, New South Wales. They were absolutely horrible fires and huge fires really as well. Mm. We basically got sent up there as a relief for the local crews. They'd been working for weeks already and just horrific day, night. It was just full on. What was the plan that morning? You guys were working on a team together? Yes. We uh, were tasked with going in to do some backburning in a remote mountain area. On this strike team, there were 25 of us. Yep. We were basically on a cattle station, mm. um, which was dry as bone, like dry as anything you've ever seen. Deceased animals around the place because they just starved. They had been in drought for 10 yeah. years, um, and so this was this was it the was catalyst for them. Yeah. It was... We were on, like, dozer tracks, off dozer tracks. So they, a dozer just came through and made a track. Thick bull dust, really rocky, really slippery, hot. We um, started the backburn. Our five trucks had been dispersed around the property. Yeah. We had the divisional commander, John, come over to us and just to make sure we were all OK and we were all on the same page as to what we were supposed to do. He grabbed me, he goes, come on, Jess, let's go over here and we'll start extinguishing this backburn here. Yeah. John and I were in the real thick of the smoke and we, even with our P2 mask on, it doesn't do that much and we just could not breathe. I stepped away out of the smoke, so I had the hose and was, you know, extinguishing the fire. How far in front of you could you say 
when the smoke was right in front of our face, you could pretty much not see anything. Wow, you so could we, hold your hand up in front yeah, of you. Yeah, so we had to it. step out of the, the kind of direct smoke and try and get a, a lung full of fresh air because you just could not breathe. And then I went back into the fire, then I noticed John had stepped out and we were on a really steep incline. I turned around to look where he was and he just dropped. It was this incredible, overwhelming feeling. I knew it was worst case scenario. We had some serious, serious issue on our hands right now. And I just threw the hose, threw my helmet, started stripping my um, protective gear off and just ran over to him. I can't even explain it. It was like I knew that it was as bad as it gets and that I needed to be comfortable to do what I need to do. I don't know if it's the, six The firefighting or... gear is very hot and, okay. and cumbersome. Yeah. So I, I think for Jess to, to assist John, she had to strip down. I tried to find a pulse and it was like I knew I wasn't going to find a pulse. There was no pulse. No. So he was no longer with us. So I got on top of him and I screamed out, I need a defib. I didn't even wait for scissors. I just don't know how I did it. I ripped his shirt open and started compressions. I said, I'm starting compressions. I need a defib. Make a mayday now. Where's the fire? Because at that yeah, point, you were, yeah. you were putting fire out yeah. when, you, yeah. when you dropped the hose. Uh, to be honest, uh, we we got tunnel vision. Mm. Our, our focus was just John. Yeah. Oh so nothing else mattered. You know, there was fire still burning. In fact, I don't think we extinguished anything. As firefighters, that's the last thing that we think we're going to have to do on the fire ground is now save one of our own. So when it happened, I think we both, our focus completely changed 100% Mm -hmm. and then nothing else mattered. You you mentioned earlier where you were was actually quite steep. You guys were on the side of a hill. Jess was doing, she was performing compressions on a guy that if she got off him would roll down the hill. It was that steep. Yeah. It was steep, very steep, rocky and dusty. John became very clammy as well. And mm. so we've got this bull dust that we're standing on that just coated John in dust. Did someone go for a defib? Yep. So we had um, another member on our truck, Michael. He ran and grabbed the defib and... Our truck driver, Reese ended up making the Mayday call for us. So I was doing compressions and um, Luke was doing the breaths. And then together we got the defib on him. Analyzing now. I can imagine, because you, you can practice for this all you want, but until that moment when you stick those stickers on a person yeah. and you have to hit that button and send... There's only so an, much you can be prepared for. Exactly. Yeah. And, and send an electric shock to them. Yeah. I imagine there's this element of going... Shit, I hope I'm about to do the right thing. Mm, absolutely. And subconsciously, I was thinking, shit, you know, I've never done this yeah. before. Stand clear. We had to stand clear. We couldn't stand clear of John when we <coughs> shocked him. I had to hold his clothing as I shocked him so he didn't roll over. Oh, um, so there was all these things that in training you, you, you don't train yeah. for because mm. you don't think you're going to be in that, that type of scenario. You guys are surrounded by fires as well and there's smoke everywhere. And that's the thing as well. It wasn't just the bull dust at the hazardous area that we're in. We had a live fire only yeah. metres from us. We didn't know him from a bar of soap an hour before yeah. then, you know, but we knew we were all he had and we were going to fight for him. 
Was there a response? No. No. No response. So we continued CPR and doing the rescue breaths. And how long did you do that for? All in all, we think we did CPR for about 45 minutes. We got him back a couple of times but lost him very quickly after. Uh, And we think that was around three times. We thought... We don't think he's coming he's back He's not to us. coming back. So yeah. we're giving CPR to someone that we are thinking we're just going to have to deal with the fact that we've got a deceased person and, and we're not going to give up. The third time we lost him, we actually lost him for about 20 minutes. Everyone was coming to us in dribs and drabs from the Mayday call and you could see the absolute despair on everyone else. Every member that turned up to assist had a job to do. Yeah. Um, whether that be extinguishing the fire, to holding up blanket, blankets to protect John from the dust, um, to assisting with compressions, to assisting with listening to the defib. We ended up going through two defibs. Mm. Um, so we, we shocked him that many times. The first defib mm. stopped working. We could have done compressions for hours, but it was the shock, the shock through his heart. Wow. When we got him back, we were incredibly happy. You know, there were tears, there were hugs. We could see him breathing. Um, I had my hand constantly on his pulse and on his abdomen so I could feel the breath. Was he conscious? No, so he was unconscious. We tried to make him comfortable. We got the blankets out. Are you still up on the steep hill at this yes, point? Yes, Literally an incline like where we were holding him up. What was the plan to get him out? A helicopter had already been dispatched. The West, Westpac rescue helicopter had been dispatched. It was about the hour and ten mark by the time the helicopter got to us. However, the helicopter couldn't land anywhere. So they had to winch in their flight paramedic and it was about the hour and a half mark before we had a road ambulance get to us. And even then they couldn't get to where we were. The police officer on scene at the time wanted to lift John up and put him into the police four-wheel drive and then driven down to the where he could be winched out. And let's just say we had a a bit of a disagreement. We didn't want John moved. We just spent 45 minutes bringing him back to life. We didn't want to touch him. What we didn't want to do was put John in a situation that could put him back into Mm. cardiac arrest. He slowly got better. He became conscious. And then he opened his eyes and looked at us. And then he started talking to us. He wanted to know what had happened. We didn't want to tell him what had happened, so we just said, oh, you just had a little fall. You know, you're fine, John. Everything's fine. He was in a lot of pain. That was good to us, the fact that he was in pain. You know, it meant he was alive. I think that was the moment that Jess and I got to walk away from John and it it got to us. Yeah, I have no it, doubt. Yeah, I can it, see you're still emotional. Yeah, there, right? yeah. It does. <laughs> no, I, I'm. You know, it's good emotions, I guess. Yeah. I get upset talking about it, but I'm over the moon that it, it yeah. was this way. I'm. You know, I'm not upset that we lost someone. I'm upset about th- the whole situation, and we've got this man that went home to his family, yeah. you know, weeks later and, and his son and his dog and he, he spent Christmas with his family uh, that year and um, that is what upsets me. 
the most beautiful moment for me was when they had stabilised him, they stood John up. Wow. They put the harness on him, the helmet to winch him. They stood him up and helped him walk to the police vehicle where he could get driven down to get winched up. After that whole... 45 minutes. 45 minutes of CPR and then trying to keep him stable and with us for such a long time, alone in the middle of nowhere, he walked. It was just incredible. Were you guys kept up to date with John's condition? We were. We were updated regularly about his condition. He was um, taken to a hospital in Brisbane and almost immediately underwent surgery to... Uh, fix a blockage in in one of his arteries. Uh, He had two major blockages. They fixed one first, and then when he was a little bit healthier, they fixed the second one. um, I'm one of those people that keeps everything in and I want to be everyone else's rock. Mm. So I was strong for everyone else and kept my own emotions in. And then it was only once I got home, that's when it really hit, and that's when I felt like I could you know feel process it yeah and then like five days afterwards at work I broke down after receiving a email from John you know from hospital and it was just like wow I think I I have that email on my phone yeah uh, and it was it was pretty much John telling us in some very few words you saved a man's life today let that sink in yeah and you know even now like it it upsets me you know in a good way you know know, Uh, he's got a family yeah they they would have lost him now it's been over a year since you guys saved john's life i know you really wanted to sit down over a beer and and catch up that hasn't been able to happen has it no no thanks to covid or there's someone here today who wants to say hello. No. John is here right now. No. We have a little surprise oh. for you guys. <laughs> you are kidding on, me! You two. Beer and hugs time. Come on. Thank you, my daddy. Thank you. Thank you. What? Come on, Lukey. Come on, brother. Thank you, mate. Thank you, mate. Feel this. Feel how strong I am. You are kidding me! <laughs> What the uh, hell? Oh my god. <laughs> Thank you for not giving up on me. Oh my god, I can't believe I've heard that so up. many times and I just I actually saw a guy unfortunately pass on a medical one of those emergency medical shows and I just thought that could have been me. Oh my god. But you guys You guys didn't give up on me. So here I am. John. Living the dream. Oh, <laughs> We've been waiting for this. Yeah, I know. Like, this damn coronavirus. Guys. Surprise. Uh. Oh, my God. Here I am, larger than life, ugly as ever. Stop it. You're as beautiful as ever. G'day, John. Oh, G'day, my how gosh. You going? John, it's, um, it's so nice Shaking. to meet you in person because... So good to be here, let me tell you. <laughs> All the accounts we've had of you have just been so admiring and, and positive. And it's like you guys were touched by him as soon as you met him. And what a special moment for you guys to be reunited. What's it like seeing these guys in the flesh? Oh, awesome. Uh, like Jesse was saying, I was listening to your account a little while ago and, um, you know, I, I don't remember anything. I just I was walking back from... I was in a log with you, Jess. Mm-hmm. Then just fell flat on my face. I don't even remember falling down. 
And next thing I remember, I was smelling aviation fuel as I uh, refueling the helicopter to go to the hospital. And I remember <laughs> having a real sore chest the next yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. Is and that... they said, mate, you've been through CPR. That's why you got a sore chest. And I went, what? Me? Yeah. Um, and honestly, I just, I have done so many things in the last 347 days. I love <laughs> since that. Since you guys saved me. Just things like hug my son and pat my dogs and... I couldn't have done any of those things unless you guys went, right, oh, well, we're not letting this bastard die. No. And we weren't. We're, we were never <laughs> going no to way. give up, John. No way. My plea to anybody that's in that situation would be have a go. Mm-hmm. Don't give up. Guys, um, I'm so glad that we could help bring this reunion That's together. So Thank beautiful. You so I much. Watch you guys oh together. my gosh, I still can't. I'm just looking at you and like. I'm kind of speechless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luke and Jess and John, thank you so much for sharing your epic tale. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank, you. So thank you. Thank you. You're getting more kisses and hugs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can't wait.